You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to A Corking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin. Today, I'm pleased to share with you my interview with John Bettner, a social studies teacher at Santa Barbara Middle School who started an organization called Teen Press. It's a special kind of person who can take middle school kids on a cross-country bicycle trip across the United States. And it's even a more special person who can do that same thing through the Republic of Rwanda in Central Eastern Africa. In short, John is the kind of teacher you remember. The kind of teacher whose memory will hit you first as you think about the person you've become and how you got to that place. We don't get many teachers like this in life, and when we do, we should celebrate them. And that's where this podcast comes in. I met John at an industry conference this past January. Now, you may be saying to yourself, Mike, you're not a teacher. What kind of conference could you possibly have met John at? Well, I'm getting to it. John's not just an avid cyclist. He's also a film buff, and at Santa Barbara Middle School, he helped form an organization called Teen Press. Years ago, when the Santa Barbara International Film Festival was coming to town, John wanted to give his students a chance to talk to some top filmmakers. So he had his students apply for press credentials and taught them some interviewing skills. But one important lesson he taught was to go beyond the questions that Hollywood types get asked all the time. You know, things like, who are you wearing? What's your relationship status? What's it like working with so-and-so? Instead, he wanted his kids to uncover what these people are like as human beings. So this is where our paths cross. I do this for a living with people like John, as well as the people I'm hired to interview for marketing research studies. John and the kids of Team Press do it for filmmakers, celebrities, politicians, business leaders. You can count Al Gore, Will Smith, Amy Adams, Clint Eastwood among the names that Team Press at Santa Barbara Middle School has had the opportunity to interview. So somebody in my industry association heard about this and invited John and some of his former students to teach a bunch of professional moderators, many of whom have spent more time interviewing people than these kids have been alive, uh, to come and teach us a thing or two on how to uncover humanness in an interview. It left a mark on me, and I'm pleased to share John's personal story in more detail with you. My interview with John is brought to you by my book, Uncorking a Murder, where a retired detective short on time works with a podcaster to right a wrong. Pick up Uncorking a Murder at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or wherever books are sold online. It's available in paperback and ebook editions. And now I give you John Bettner. So you, you've, been, you've been doing a fair amount of traveling. I thought I traveled a lot, but you're a hard guy to pin down. Well, it's kind of new to me. It's, 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 you know, it's like a roller coaster of, of stuff. So trying to to see some team presses out there. I, I, I answer the call as long as my wife gives me permission and I don't end up sleeping in the doghouse when I get home, you know? So um, that's the, cause of teaching, I was just always home. So this is, this is a whole new territory to me. So um, anyway, uh, it's good to be back and 
Santa Barbara, you know, it's not a bad place to be. Uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> so what do you travel? What do your travels take you? Well, I mean, I, I go all over. So, um, uh, for example, in, in a couple of weeks, I'm going out to Chicago and then Tampa to talk to people about what they love about a certain beer brand. Um, really? So we're trying to un- uncork, if you will, uh, uh-huh. br- brand love for a particular um, imported beer from uh, really? s- uh, south of the United States, let's say. Really? Yeah. Well, okay. So trying that to. Must, that must be fun. Now, when you're doing that, are you allowed to drink that beer that you're trying to get their input on <laughs> or at the time? Or you know, that... uh, there's all sorts of legalities around such things, <laughs> unfortunately, but. Yeah. I know that you probably have your, your, you know, commission on ethics in your business, you know? Well, <laughs> it's, um, it's weird. It's like, uh, some of the people, like the, the people who, the facilities where we go to do this type of stuff, yeah. they will require anybody who's had more than one serving of alcohol to either, um, get a cab or have a, uh, designated driver. So because of that, it introduces just some logistical things that hurt participation. So, Right. Um, yeah, then you get in trouble if you paid for their their cab. Probably that would be conflict of interest. You might be trying to lean on them too much. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so. anyway, uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about me. I want to hear about uh, you, and I want to hear about Teen Press. But uh, okay, well, you shoot. You asked the questions, as, and if you when you met me, you probably realized that you're gonna have, you might have to cut me off if my stories go too far sideways from what you're asking so um, no i mean as as you know sideways is where the fun happens so um <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh, but you know i i, I if, if there's one thing that i think i've i remembered from from you when you presented to our industry association you're a movie guy aren't you you, you love movies well when i was um there were six kids in my family growing up good catholic family you know and um i was the oldest son and there's there's uh, there's good stuff that comes with that, and other stuff that's not so good. So uh, every so often, my dad, who was a school principal, he would um, he would give me the sign like he was my baseball catcher to go, you know, get my jacket and and um, meet him out at the car, and and he would sneak me out to go see a movie like on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, just the two of us, and um, you know, Pennies from Heaven, Guns of Navarone. Uh, all that stuff, and, and um, that was a really special time for me, um, and I think that's some of the, some of my love of, of movies was just that magical moment with my dad, and um, then as a teacher, the, the power of film to tell a story and be accessible to the most people in the room was um, something that I discovered. Um, it wasn't easy because I think a lot of kids think movies are just for entertainment and yeah, you, you can laugh and do that or get angry or, or go someplace in, in your fantasies, but it's also a really powerful, um, storytelling teaching tool. So I, I started to use those in my classroom and, and try to teach kids how to, um, watch films a different way than they were used to. And, and once we got to that point, then I, I saw the real power of that that medium for um beginning a a conversation um so i remember like being in in high school um a friend of mine 
left. Uh, he got one of these big VHS camcorders for uh, for his birthday, and he left it at my house. And now, me being the idiot that I am, you know, I started. Uh, I have a twin brother, and we started just making these silly, you know, sketch sketch based films with with the yeah. camera. He never got the camera back, by the way. Um, but uh, but what I wound up doing with it instead of um, let's say I was in English class and and my teacher would have us write a paper on Hamlet. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't write the paper. I would write a movie about Hamlet. And I actually wrote one called Hamlet and Horatio's Bogus Journey. I'll never forget it. Uh, it was a cross between Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and uh, the old show. I don't know if you remember the show Quantum Leap with Scott Bakula from from way back in the late '80s, early '90s. But well, I, think I, was, I think I might have turned my TV off by then. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, that's it's possible. It's possible, yeah, but yeah, yeah so, it was. Uh, um, I don't remember much after the Mod Squad, actually. To be honest with you, so <laughs> you've rejected uh, rejected TV after the Mod Squad. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe Laker games, you know. But after that, I just I didn't. So, um, wow, yeah, well, that I, you had a good teacher then that allowed you to do that. Well, in my estimation, I, I didn't necessarily say he allowed us to do it, but it's what he got, and uh, the class was certainly entertained by it. So, <laughs> well, if you but that, but to do that, just like comedy shows um, a level of, of, you know, knowledge and engagement with a, a you know, a, a particular storyline or to, to, to resonate with people using that, then you had to know those, those three things that you just mentioned in terms of what that was a conglomeration of, you know, and that's where with kids to sit back and, and deconstruct a little bit, where's that coming from or, where's that coming from or why is it shot that way or notice the music right now or um, you know that quote oh you don't know that quote well we better go back and find that because if you understand where that's coming from then then you're either going to laugh harder or cry harder or get pissed off more you know and that's that at least the initial entry into the story that the film I think at least right now gets kids in there more quickly than if I threw the book at them um (laughs) Then the book I love, I mean, I met my wife at a bookstore, I've written a book, a couple books, and but I think that to, um, had Gutenberg had a camera, you know, I think things might be different. Right. I think school might have screwed up the film so that it was something we had to do instead of what we got to do. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, I, I think the point is is to try to engage people in the story, whether it was around a fire or on the wall of a cave or in the pages of a book or a film or a painting or whatever that might be. And, and that's, I think, film has the, the you know, at different levels, then you have to go deeper and you have to, you know, only certain kids are going to be left in the room when you start showing it the fifth and the sixth time, you know. Yeah. But, um, but I think at least they'll get to the end where sometimes in the book they're going to go get the cliff notes you know, and then write the paper. Right. And, and right. I that, that's too bad for a really good story, you know. Um, I know you're, uh, one of your phrases, uh, carpe diem, because um, I see it on your uh, your Skype address um, and some other things as well. I remember uh, there was a movie, Dead Poet Society, I'm sure you remember yeah. that film, um, where Robin, the Robin Williams character, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> screams carpe diem. I, just just thinking about that 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 character his his um, character at that prep school was based on um, 
a teacher that I had at the University of Connecticut by the name of Sam by the name of Sam Pickering. He, well, he he was in, the author of that um, was a student of Pickering's at one point in in prep school days, and he based that character loosely his his eccentricities loosely on this guy uh, Sam Pickering. It was pretty cool. I didn't know that. Um, you'll have to see my. Uh, I'll check the link out to my TEDx talk, and it's about the origin of where Carpe Diem came into into my life. Um, so uh, you can, if you, if you got 15 minutes, check it out. I'll send you the link. And, and um, yeah, seeing that, you know, I, I love it. Just like, you know, when I, when I was at the Pitcher Conference, you know, I go, what am I doing here with these people, you know? And, and, and then when you realize that these strange bedfellows see things the same way you do, you know, or, or are into the same things, like watching the Dead Poets Society, you know, when I saw the boys stand up on the tables, I go, uh, my third graders have been doing that for years, you know, <laughs> and, and, um, and to, to just, it's, it's just so fun. I love the way the heavens work that way sometimes where you go, oh, yeah, that's, no, I didn't do my doctorate on it. I didn't read some treatise on it. I just thought that was the best way to go about things. And yeah. you might see else doing the same thing and you go, oh, yeah, we do our sauce the same way, you know, and I, lo- <laughs> I love that. Did I, I mean, just going back to, um, you know, where we met and in your presentation on um, on Teen Press, what in, what what inspired you to because it's a really unique idea. I mean, getting these middle school age kids to start interviewing, you know, celebrity types. It's it's not not a run of the mill type idea. How did you how did that idea come to be? Well, I, I again, like the, the I knew that in my classroom that film was really important. Um, vehicle for getting us to to discuss issues that I thought were important and to give kids kids wings into the future I thought film was a good good way and the time limited time that I had with them and when I saw that there was a film festival in Santa Barbara um with you know yeah some celebrities but also some people that no one ever heard about before doing documentaries or or shorts or things like that and it was a 10-day festival um I really didn't want to touch it. I taught sixth and seventh grade, and I didn't think that sixth and seventh graders were ready to do it. So I proposed it at my staff meeting and said, we've got someone on the board at the film festival. This is an opportunity that we should be seizing, you know, to, to be able to get on the inside and talk to people that, that tell stories on film. And the eighth and ninth grade teachers said that they were too busy. And I went, damn. So I was walking across the parking lot literally after the staff meeting, and a, a buddy of mine was coming out of the computer lab, and I said, hey, man, you want to go cover the film festival? Because we can't let this opportunity pass. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, I don't know what I mean, but let's <laughs> see what we can come up with. I don't, I don't know anything about journalism or, or any of that. I go, but I think I've, I know how to, to lead kids to be sincere in their, in their questioning of things. And, and, and if we can do that with people on the screen or who are behind the screen – then um, let's give it a go, you know. And so that's what we did. And, and we had the first night, man, walking into the press office the first day, I mean, I don't know if you ever hung out with with 13-year-olds before, but if you have eight of them walking into the room, the chance of something getting broken are pretty high. And when that room is, like, full of the L.A. Times and Entertainment Tonight and everyone trying to scramble for their press passes, I'm going, I hope they're wearing helmets. And we went in there and... We had baked some cookies and 
taught the kids about when as soon as you enter that room, you know, you introduce yourself to anybody you don't know. You shake their hands. You look at them. This is your job. This isn't, you know, you're not collecting autographs. You're collecting handshakes and, and, and introductions. And they just went in, and it was like Halloween. They had the costume of journalism on, and they... <clears throat> They did, and people were going, what, who, you know, like the kids were reaching out and shaking their hands and handing out their business cards, and that was the beginning of it. And then that night we were on the red carpet, and, you know, Christopher Lloyd was, you know, standing there talking with the kids, and the kids were asking him a question that, you know, wasn't about Back to the Future, but might have been one that showed that they had done a lot of research about who he was as a human being. And then it just, I saw it happen. I saw the kids, I saw the, the quote-unquote celebrities go, what? How did you know that about me? You know, to watch Will Smith kind of scratch his chin and go, whoa, that's a good question. Let me think. I went, well, I've got to keep doing this. And, um, and then we got kicked off the red carpet, um, oh, about five years after that because um, – the, uh, the pro the pro media was starting to get pissed off because the kids were getting all the were getting all the time because the you know the people wanted to come and talk to them and not talk to the pro guys and so they had a summit meeting and and um, they were going to pull our credentials and, and any youth credentials they were going to pull because other kids decided they wanted to be there too and I had a couple alumni who were in college come to this meeting with the director of the film festival and. And one kid says, well, we don't need the red carpet. You know, that's not, our point isn't celebrity. Our point is to talk to people who are telling stories with their films. And so for us to talk to some unknown, up-and-coming documentary filmmaker, we don't, we don't even need to be on the red carpet. We'll meet them, you know, for coffee, you know, behind the theater after they have their Q&A. And so the d director goes, oh, that's great. Thank you very much. And then one of my other kids <laughs> raised his hand. And he goes, I'm going to disagree. And I'm going, oh, what's going to happen here? And um, Harrison goes, um, I think you need us on the red carpet. He goes, um, because we don't ask the same kind of questions other people ask. Our job is to try to find the human beings who are walking in the spotlights and see if we can draw them out through our questions. And I think that's why people want to talk to us. So I think, I think it's important that we are on the red carpet. And I just went... Yeah, for both of those reasons, you guys passed the class, and, um, you know, goodbye, and thank you, and, and um, that's what's been just to watch how the kids have taken it, and, and just to watch simple, whether they're celebrities or homeless people or neighbors or ice cream scoopers, to watch what happens when um, people stop to actually shake each other's hand and, and engage in a conversation and really say nice to meet you how are you like no like how are you and where are you and you know what are you we don't do that <laughs> we don't do that you know so the kids the kids will you know they'll walk off the wharf if i tell them to but if i tell them that's what your mission is that's what they own and as soon as they grab that microphone they know that that's a, um a wonderful freedom and a and an awesome responsibility but, so. but you know what i think is so cool about what you guys do is you know, and you just hit on it. You're not asking these people, whoever they are, the filmmakers, celebrities, or, you know, I, I know even business leaders, politicians, you're not asking them something that somebody else has asked them 500 times. You're, you're getting something new and you're really looking for that, for that human element. And, and I feel that I'm doing my job well when I'm not just, you know, asking people questions about the brands they buy because my client wants, needs those answers. 
but it's because you know I'm naturally curious about what's going on in their life and, and how their you know how their consumer behavior is impacting them um, in a certain way to make to make choices, but to really get at their story. That's why I call this whole thing you know uncorking a story. It's not about research; it's about you know people's stories. Right, and if you could, and you just you watch when the kids go when they leave. And they're going, um, I don't, I don't, I can't quite figure out who just got more out of that half hour, whether we did or they did. I go, if you can leave your day with that kind of a feeling, then it's been a good day. Yeah. Guys. So if, if, uh, were, were you a gift to them or were they a gift to you? Or was the fact that, that, you know, you guys stopped in all your busyness to, you know, to share a moment of, of, of a story that, that, that maybe someone hadn't thought one of the things is the kids really learn, and, and they're not—they're not thinking about this at first because our culture doesn't doesn't let there be silence. You know, classroom culture, teachers—you know—if you don't have the answer, then I'm going to jump in right away and give you A, B, C, D, or E. You know, thinking that I'm helping you out. You know, versus I'm going to let you think about that for 30 seconds. And when the when the kids go, when they see they've asked someone a question and. And, and they watch that person have to stop and pause and go, hmm, I haven't thought about that before. Then I say, you just gave them a gift of going down memory lane, someplace they didn't know they were going to go this morning that's been there in their life. And if that's what our, if that's what we get to do, you know, if someone gets to come up on you and makes you think about some place that, you know, is really special to you that you haven't thought of in a long time, isn't that like one of the best gifts you could get today? And I said, so that's what we have the opportunity to do. And it's harder to do on a red carpet because you've got two questions of that. If you're in the green room with, you know, with someone or you have all the time on the street corner in the world, then, then it's a little, it's easier in some ways and more difficult in others to, to you know, you, you know, that's what you do um, in terms of, of talking to people. And there's no, what I love too is there isn't, even though we wrote our, our curriculum as a cookbook, there really isn't a recipe other than sincerity and time. I mean, after that, it's, you know, it, it's, it, it's the weather, it's, you know, whatever happened before you walked in the room and wherever you might, I mean, all of that stuff is, and that's what's so wonderful about it, that it's a very, it's not a science, it's, it's a, um, and I, I love that unpredictability of, of, of it. Other people, they can't, they can't handle that. You know, the, you know, the, the one thing that struck me as, as you know, as hearing you and, and as well as your, your students and former students talk was, you know, how, how inspirational it must have been that experience for them. And I, I think what lacks a lot of time in, in education, I've got, you know, I have triplets there in high school now. And, you know, I, I hear from them, you know, they're the biggest criticism they have is that they're not they're bored. They're not challenged enough or they're not inspired. Um, and there's very few teachers that I, I look to in my own life. And I had some wonderful ones, but who I could really point to and say, you know, this person really, really inspired me to be a better X, Y and Z. Um, and it's just a wonderful gift that you're giving these kids um, just that gift of inspiration. I mean, f- forget, you know, they're getting the chance to meet people they probably wouldn't have gotten a chance to meet before and right. develop a skill that they may not have, that they, that they might eventually develop. Right. 
But the inspiration you're giving them is got to be almost immeasurable. Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a social studies teacher, which means I can teach anything I want. (laughs) 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 I mean, just think of that, you know, uh, whatever human endeavors have happened over the course of time, or if we want to look into the future, I can, I can justify that in my syllabus as well, given my department. And that's just, that's a, that's a, um, that's a wonderful burden. You know, if it's not, if the human story is not um, an inspirational one, either because things were so bad, people rose above it, or the horizon was so um, just compelling that you wanted to go towards it. Um, you know, sometimes I think it might be teacher easier to teach math, you know, because if, if I have a room full of kids for, you know, 50 minutes a day, and, and I have at my disposal um, the human story, oh, my God, how could you not make that interesting? You, if, and get out, of the, get out of the kitchen if you're not. And interesting doesn't mean, doesn't always mean happy, but, I mean, if we're going to do the Second World War and you, and you don't, I mean, I, I talk to kids, I go, this is going to be disturbing. If you're not disturbed by what we're getting ready to do here, then you're disturbed, <laughs> you know. Right. I mean, this, this should this should make you this should make you weep, or it's not, you know. Um, and if your mom says it's not okay, then then that's then we shouldn't be just blowing through from 1940 to 1945 next Tuesday and Wednesday. That's that's bullshit. And that's not. We're not going to do that. And and um, and I think you know some people go. Well, we can't. I I. I mean, I taught for 40 years. My dad was a teacher a long time. As a t- as, it's really hard to get fired as a teacher, despite what people say. I mean, they might move you around or or whatever. And uh, and I think part of that is is um, new teachers. I think are um, even a little more spooked at that because I you know I grew up in the 60s and and protest. I you know I sprinkled protest on my granola in the morning. I mean, that was part of. That was part of what fueled you through the day. I mean, fighting the power and, and rubbing up against the establishment was, you know, that was just what, that was just part of the energy. And now I think people are trying to avoid that, you know, and, and that's, I think we're missing out some, not that I'm going to have an argument for the sake of argument, but um, yeah, rock, rock the boat a little bit. And, and kids don't, kids want to be challenged. Those, those team press kids, you know, sometimes they'd be operating on four nights, four hours of sleep at nighttime. Don't tell me it's about how much homework they have. It's not about how much homework they have. It's about what kind of homework they have. And if someone says, well, they don't want to read Shakespeare, you know, you and I have seen teachers set, you know, burn the book so no one ever wants to see it again or put it on, put that Hamlet on fire and someone will never forget it. Same story, same age kids, you know, what you do, what you do with that. Math teachers, there's some math teachers who would, you know, are going to, put you to sleep and other math teachers are going to be throwing balls around the classroom and having you look at geometry in ways that, that um, you're going to go, whoa, I never thought of it that way. And that's, I think that teachers need to um, own their freedom and the responsibility of, of, you know, sometimes people go, oh, you teach social studies. I go, you know, I, my dad turned kids on fire in driver training. I got met at a woman who was in his driver training class who said, you know, he used to pull over and we would talk about life, you know, and I learned to drive and I learned about 
I mean, if you cannot go crazy with your driver training teacher, you know, like what the hell, you know, no one's got, no one's got any excuses. You know? well, <laughs> it reminds me my, uh, when I was learning how to drive, my father, you know, let's just say he's not the most patient man in the world, but he taught me and my, but my twin brother wouldn't have anything of it. So my, my sister, my, my older sister took on that burden and, Sure enough, I passed my driver's test, and uh, my twin brother did not. So he never, never. Did you learn? Would you learn on automatic? Did you learn on the stick? I learned on the stick. I wanted to drive stick. Your patience. You pop that clutch going in a second. That'll put some gray hair on you. (laughs) Well, you know, he'll love me saying this, but he didn't have much hair to begin with. So, (laughs) did um, what, what has surprised you? I mean, looking back on the on the teen press experience, you know. You know, whether it's an interaction you've had with, you know, somebody who's a household name or interactions with the kids or, or whatever, what is, you know, looking back, what has surprised you the most about about that experience? Oh, God, I've never been asked that question before. Um, See, I could be one of your students. There you go. Good job. Um, um, um I don't know if it's surprise, um, but sometimes we hear that that um, if we know we're going into an interview and we know who the person is, because sometimes it's on the street and you're just you're just talking with someone. You there's no way you could have done any research about them. You just have to be human, you know. Um, but if we know someone and someone says, "Well, that's a really a hard egg to crack," you know, that person's got to. You look at their other interviews or you read them; they're kind of crusty. You know, to, to try to get to their soul is going to be like really, really difficult, you know, and that's when I go, yeah, here we go. Let's see what happens. What are we going to come up with? Not, not, not to jerk someone around, but because I think people down deep want to, you know, want, want to be soft in some way, you know, the world just kind of puts a crust on us. And, and the, the, the few times that I've, I've, I've watched that happen, watch, um, because I'm just holding the camera and 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 I just get to be in their room. Um, that that's been that's been really a, a wonderful treat for me. I, I don't know if that would be a um, a, a surprise. Um, I have to. Part of surprise is is um, and one of the reasons I came to your research association. One of the first statements that because I was really spooked when I got the call. <laughs> uh, um, and. Uh, um, so when I was reading through the uh, the mission statement and, and what what qualita- qualitative research was about the ability to um, um, study something, um, but not necessarily and, and be familiar with it, but not to the point where you could be predictive in what was going to happen next. And I went, "Dude, that is my life." You know, I mean, middle school, even though I taught it for decades, um, owning the fact that that every day was going to be surprising was um, that was part of the allure of it because um, I mean, to be able to be surprised every day or astonished um, is um, I think that's what youth is, you know, and, and to be, to get to be around kids that that's just the way they live their life. And they're letting me in to go along for their ride. Then that I was, I, I didn't want to presume on surprise but I was hoping for it every day. And I knew if I had been by myself, I, I, it would have been more difficult for me to find, but being in the, on the journey with, 
with kids um, and getting out there and rolling our sleeves up and, and get out under the sky or on the street. Um, that's been um, that the world is still, you know, can be full of surprises every day has been, um, I mean, it hasn't been surprising to me, but it sure has been rewarding that, that I can't predict, you know, I like when, when Jaden got asked about the eye contact at the, at the thing, you know, I don't know. I know Jaden, Jaden can play it pretty cool and close. And, and, and like when we were warming up for the interview and stuff like that, Sue, my partner's going, I don't know, John, I don't know if you picked the right person. I go, we'll just have to see. That's what happens. We only got a room full of people in there, but let's see how it goes. And when he was asked, you know, what you tell us about Ike, and then he just turned his shoulders to everybody and walked along the stage with his head down and answered it like, well, here's a, what would happen without it. You know, that was a complete, predictable, wonderful surprise, you know, that, that, that he did. And that's what's so, that's what's so fun about, um, you know, hanging out with, with uh, kids. And for me, middle schoolers especially, I mean, everyone thinks middle schoolers, you know, they're 13 or 14 and, and uh, you know, like they're so scary. And there's a line from Paul Zindel um, and um, his, this guy's having trouble with his mom and, and, and they're having, they're fighting throughout his teenage years. And he comes home from college or something. And my mom and I, he goes, my mom and I finally started to get along again when, 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 when she realized that, that, um, you know, that all of life was adolescence, you know, like you didn't pass through it, right. you know, and, um, and that's what is, you know, that can either be a scary thing because he goes, oh man, I'm going to have pimples my whole life. Well, that's one way of looking at it, but that if no, <clears throat> that you can still have some of that thrill, um, I'm, I'm down for the thrill part of it. If I take a couple pimples to get the thrill, I'm, I'm, I'm down with you on that one. You know, you mentioned something that just hits so close to home, this idea of kind of seeing the world with wonderment and surprise and amazement. Because I think, I don't know when it happens. Like, there's no birthday you hit where all of a sudden the wonderment and surprise is on the decline and cynicism is on the incline. But... You know, with three, I've got three 14, soon to be 15-year-olds. I mean, I see it starting to kind of happen to them. I mean, I used to have these three wonderful little, you know, as, as hard as it was having triplets and, and having them be small and you, you need to kind of, God, care for them. Um, you know, there was always wonder in their questions, you know. Yeah. And then at yeah. some point they get they get to the point where either they're asking fewer questions or they think they know the answer and, you know, don't even want to hear yours anymore. So I like, I, I like, I wish there was like a pill or something you could take to, to be like get that wonderment and amazement and, and really sense of curiosity back that somewhere we lose along the way of on the path to adulthood. Well, and you know, I having, you know, I'm right at that corner, you know, um, teaching middle school because that's, you know, that's what's how, how come they're not talking to me anymore. Or they're getting quiet or they're going into their room. And, and that's where I think it takes, you know, I got two sons and, and they were in my middle school classes, which was, which really good, but I'm sure it wasn't always easy to have their dad as their teacher, as cool as I might have thought I was. Um, and um, I think that's where, and there's some ancient traditions that, that, you know, they might say this is why we do it a certain way. But to have that other voice or person to spend time with your 14 or 15 or 16-year-old 
who's able to get them to still ask those questions with wonder and do things with astonishment in that I've got to be that person for a lot of incredibly good parents. You know, I've got to travel the world. I've ridden my bike across America twice with 12 year olds for four months. You know, there's no way that they do that with their parents. They wouldn't do it in a car. They might not even get on an airplane to fly to Washington DC with them, but they're going to spend four months on the road with me, you know, and that's not an easy thing to do. Um, I think that's where, and even with my own sons, um, just try to hopefully that someone in their day, like where your kids are today, and maybe there isn't, maybe there isn't, hopefully there's, you know, like one period in there where they feel free to still um, wonder, you know, like kids in my classroom who thought they weren't supposed to cry anymore, you know, when, when we're able to, um, and we don't just cry for crying's sake, we just call it emotional sweat. And um, to, 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 to do that, and, and, and for guys and girls and, and anyone who's 13 or 14 or 15, to, to know that that's okay again, um, or to, you know, to skip or to, you know, do silly stuff or carry a stuffed animal down in your sleeping bag and do that kind of stuff. Um, I've been the person who's been able to, um, you know, perpetuate that, continue to have it happen um, for kids. And so that's been a blessing to me because I, the first thing I tell my parents as a, as a teacher is, um, you know, I don't care, but if you ever see, you know, the candle starting to dim, I mean, this is the most precious thing. It was the most precious thing in my life. Let's 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 circle up and see why. And and if it's no, it's just a time for it to be dim. It's time to flicker a little bit. Or no, there's other reasons, and it needn't do that right now. Um, that's that's so um, that's so huge to to. Um, to me, and I don't know what does it. I don't think you know the the you know the social media or whatever that the, the bombardment of that is helping with that. But you know, my sisters were on the the party line on the princess phone back in the you know right. It was like it was no different. There was no giant lights emanating from their room back then. You know, it's just as you know, just as gnarly you know crazy stuff. So I, I think it's not. We could blame it on the technology, and yeah, I think we need to deal with it. But I think there's just some, you know, it's those the, the kids want to, they want to connect with 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 other people and each other, and just at different points. Now, my wife's a kindergarten teacher. I couldn't, I couldn't, for me to go teach kindergarten, you know, no way, no way. And she knows how to do that and have those kids be engaged with each other in their world. And I can, you know walk into a room of 14 and 15 year olds and, and, um, you know, like enjoy that attitude <laughs> for lack of a better term. You know? Did, um, any of your children follow in your footsteps? Any, any educators? Is there, is there a third generation educator in the, uh, in the family? Um, my sons are, are, um, 27 and 29 and they're, um, they both went to Berkeley. Um, they both still love to ride their bicycles, but they're filmmakers and um, they're partners, actually. Um, and which is you have three kids. So to imagine them be forming a business and that later on would be, you know, either you want to go or no, I don't even want to be in the same town you know, <laughs> because, you know, creative disagreements. It's still your brothers, you know, and, and you love him. He's your best friend, you know. And um, so they 
they feel like um, that that they do documentary films. So in a way, that's a, a teaching um, thing, and and I think that they own. I'm very proud of the way that they um, they own the power of their medium and want to. Um, and, and want to do the best job they can if they're gonna if they, if they're gonna come and and do your story, um, to do that um, as respectfully as possible. If they were gonna go then share it with others, that and they know. And when you're doing documentary, I think everything's a fish story. But if you're doing documentary, at least you're trying to convince people that that you're telling some, you know, uh, perspective on the truth. And and I I really am proud of the way that that. They know people are going to learn from watching what they put up on the screen, so they they best use every tool at their disposal to um, whether it's cutting it to being a short, you know, or making it a full length, or deciding you know what film festival circuits you're going to show it on. It's not about just like teaching is not about the the money you need to pay your bills, but um, you also need to you know pay everyone respect who's letting you be in the room with you so that's that's what they do and um a lot of it is educational um but i you know your your beer survey is going to be educational i'm sure you know um <laughs> well it it better be <laughs> it better be on some level or they're not calling me again <laughs> and they're both beer drinkers you know they uh, we were just in we were in bend oregon for for christmas and 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 one of my sons didn't get to be with us, which was the first time, and that was really hard. But the other one, I learned more about beer in, in a week than I even knew one there was there was to be learned, you know. And um, so it, it was really really fun to to uh, to do that. So what's uh, what's next for Teen Press? I mean, is it uh, is it going to expand outside of Santa Barbara? I mean, is that, is that what some of your meetings are kind of? Yeah, the kind whole of... point of um, the whole point of the film. And um, and and my going out and speaking is to give other. At first, it was to give other kids the opportunity to do the things like that you you watch my my kids get to do, and and so I've gone out and started some team presses in, in in different places. But but one of the things that's been wonderful for me to see is that um, um, that I've. I mean, I still love being with kids. If I could just be with kids, that's what I'd be doing, you know, um, ride my bike, jump in the ocean, you know, going and gathering stories. But it, at my age, in order for me to get to more kids with the way I've been able to relate with kids, um, I need to get to new teachers. And if I can get to, to new teachers who are younger than me, then they're going to get to their circles of 30 and 40 for 10 and 20 years longer than I'm going to be able to be in the classroom. And that's the way for me to share my gift. So to go out and do team for like I was in Minnesota um, at a couple of schools and to watch the kids get engaged with me. And that's wonderful. And I love it. But to watch teachers dream again and go, Oh, you mean that's my possibility. I forgot about that. To me, that's just, I know that that's going to, those kindergartners or preschoolers or, you know, twinkles in their parents' eyes that haven't even been born yet are going to get to get in that teacher's classroom and and benefit from the time that I spent. And so for me, Team Press is, uh, it's not even about journalism. It's about stopping to see what happens when we connect. And if all I did was have a, 
from my being there, a teacher now greets every one of their kids when they come into the classroom before they ask them to turn in their homework, then um, um, I feel good about that. So I was just in New York, and the story I shared with you about, you know, kids with special needs doing team press, oh, man, you know, to have a kid roll up in a wheelchair or trying to hold on to the microphone because their muscles don't work well enough for them or you or me to hold on to it and do the to do the interview man i got goosebumps right now thinking about that yeah. was, you know i just was like um no and i and i told those kids i said you know i got teenagers so if we turn that on its head we disarm people and we get into people's office if you roll in up to that door with your wheelchair no one is gonna <laughs> like, turn you away i'm gonna be i'm gonna be on your rack in the back because we're gonna we can go anywhere you know and i go you don't want to be owned by that but each of us has something that we think might be a barrier, which might might really be our bridge to opportunity. Yeah. So teenageness is, you know, that we're teenagers that everyone's scared of, that suddenly they're not afraid of. Then, And if it's you that you can't, they have to, like, move the furniture for you to get in that room, let's move the furniture. And um, Or if you're some kid who uh, you have to spell out your question on the Ouija board on your wheelchair and you're only going to get one question out, that person who's waiting for you to spell that question is going to be forever changed by that one moment with you. And if I can, if I can have that happen a couple places out there in in um, you know in the world, then um, then I'll I'll feel really good about about you know the flyers that that I started, you know, the team press started. And it's not rocket science. It's just pulling over the side of the road and going, oh, I forgot about that, you know. Um, so it's just kind of re reigniting the flame. I mean, you, you get into the profession with a passion and then it, it kind of reignites it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's just that my dad taught me to shake hands, you know, and if I didn't squeeze his hand, he told me, don't give me the dish rag, <laughs> squeeze it hard. And my poor wife, when she first met him, she goes, does your dad not like me? I go, what? <laughs> My hand hurts. I go, no, man, and we're done. We can go get married tomorrow if you squeeze your hand, you know. And so I was doing, um, I was at a, a English language acquisition. The school had like 80 kids from all over the world. And so I was teaching team press to them, and they couldn't understand like every other word that I had to say. But I said, well, it's not really about the, the interview. It's about the fact that this gives us a way to meet each other, that that's the point if the camera doesn't run or the batteries run out or you lose your sheet it's about this is a little catalyst for us to stop and meet each other so i go and it begins with the greeting and i go i know in america how to walk up to someone and greet them and shake their hand and introduce myself but you guys all come from different countries and that might be completely disrespectful for me to do that way so in that whole class that's all we did someone from china came up and we backed it up and said, no, you don't bow, I bow, because you're older than me, you know, and, or we don't reach out and touch hands. The Vietnamese guy came up, and the Spanish guy came up and said, I go, do we, you kiss on, she goes, it's not really a kiss, it's more like rubbing your cheeks together. I go, what would happen your first day of school if you would have went up to your new friend in the high school hallway here in Minnesota and rubbed your cheek with him? You, I go, you'd be, like, stuffed in your locker so freaking fast. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, but the, to watch them go that whole human thing about, no, we're just going to talk about how we introduce ourselves to each other, which just, it was so much fun and so human across the board. 
and um, and then for them to teach me how to say hello if I was in there walking down their sidewalk, that was like I was so good. So, <laughs> so. So I, I know we, we started this conversation talking about movies, but, um, you know, just in the general spirit of communication and learning how other people communicate, did you by any chance see the movie Arrival? No, I haven't seen Arrival yet. Oh, man. It's, okay. uh, it's, I watched it, I only say because I watched it last night, um, and uh, uh, who's in it? Um, oh, God, why can't I remember her name? Uh, yeah. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite. Um, I, I want to call her Giselle, but that's her character name. Uh, Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Yeah, we gave Amy Adams Whew. a burrito. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, she loves Mexican food, and we she was on the red carpet, and we figured she's got to be hungry, you know. So we got her one from Kuka's, which is this famous burrito place, and she goes, "Oh my God, I'm so thankful." She's in her big dress, you know, and all dressed up. And we handed her a burrito in tin foil, <laughs> and she thought that was the coolest thing. <laughs> So Arrival is what I need to see. Man, it's, you know, I, I was watching it, and I'm like, I don't know where this movie's going, and then all of a sudden it clicks. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really about learning how to communicate um, with, uh, with someone else. It's a pretty, pretty powerful film. Okay, I'll take your, I'll take your, I just, I don't get out as much anymore with, like, with the kids. And, and um, so I, I know I, I have seen Moonlight. Um, that was really hard. Um, yeah, that's on my list of movies to watch uh, Saturday night with my wife because it's on yeah, uh, it's on Apple TV now. So I'm gonna yeah yeah that's that's really um, have you seen Captain Fantastic? No, I haven't. You have to see Captain Fantastic as a dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. See Captain. We'll talk after it's over. <laughs> um, but that's what of last year's films. If I was teaching again, I'd have all my you know upper middle class, mostly white families you know grappling with the educational arc of their kids and we would just i'd get out the wine or whatever we needed and i go okay we're going to be here all night folks because we're going to stop this in a couple places and um i don't know if we're going to be laughing or crying at these points but um i think it's really something you know moonlight isn't our neighborhood captain fantastic even though i want us to see moonlight that's another thing but um but captain fantastic is it's entertaining but it's also some of it'll make you. I think it'll make you squirm in a good way. Yeah. Like so. Um, yeah. No, I'm definitely gonna put it on the. Uh, on let the... your wife get through the opening scene where they kill the pig. <laughs> my wife's going. What? We never watch a movie and we're killing a pig in the first thirty <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Not only am I vegetarian, but I'm Jewish, and I just don't get this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the pigs are. <laughs> Pig's a filthy animal. <laughs> I'll tell you when it's over. And then it was good after that. <laughs> um, well, very cool. Um, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to chat and set this up. I know with our with our two crazy schedules, it was kind of hard to get out of the books, but I'm glad we did it. I got a question for you. Yeah, please. Okay. We only have two kids. I, I, remember, I remember the day I was sitting at my desk, and um, they were like, you know, we had two kids where one, I think one was in diapers still and Lynn walked in the room and she had the box, the cardboard box with the Oshkosh bagosh overalls in it. And she said, she, I can see the look on her face right now. She said, um, um, should I be saving this or should I be giving it away? You know, <laughs> cause that jump to three is a whole, 
it's it's not the same progression as one to two. Yeah. And you had three at once, and you still look like unless you color your hair. I mean, the hairline's moving back a little bit. <laughs> uh, but and as so far as I see, you only have two arms, and you're still maybe that's what kept you married. I don't know how how'd you do how'd you do three at the, all at uh, once. Well, first of all, my wife is an incredible woman. Uh, that's number one. Um, number two. Uh, sense of humor, man. That's the only thing that'll get you through the madness of having three infants. You know, we went from zero to three in like three minutes. And it was, you know, I'd be, I literally would be waking up and they were premature by nine weeks. So, you know, when they, when they finally came home from the hospital, they had to eat every two hours. So I would wake up at midnight if I had gone, assuming I had gone to bed, I would wake up at midnight, feed all three, and by the time I'm done finishing the third, it's almost time to wake up the first again. And my wife was recovering from a C-section, so she was kind of out of play. And um, it was, it's a, the only thing that'll get you through it is a sense of humor, um, maybe a bottle of wine every now and then, <laughs> and a couple of good friends you can call and be like, can, can you give me a hand? I mean, it's a... Uh, you know, we didn't exactly have a village at our disposal, but um, we, you know, we had some good friends and family that were uh, able to pitch in, man. But it was, but it, I wouldn't change a thing. It was looking back, it was a blast. Good, good. I, it's you know, I see some people that I go, "Why'd you have one?" You know, <laughs> my dad would say, "You know, they should have just got a goldfish." You know, that's what they should have done. Because <laughs> <laughs> to me, I mean, it's it's the. You know, it's the it's the most wonderful, the most difficult in a good way thing in, on the planet. You know, and 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 you know to see you smiling and and you know knowing that like the everyone thinks like they go oh it's over. I know there's always diapers to change. You know, there's going to be diapers to change when they get married. You know, <laughs> and you get the phone call, and it's not even going to be about your grandkids. It's going to still be their diapers that you're going to be dealing with. You know. And so, how how do you how are you gonna how are you gonna embrace that you know with a sense of humor and 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 purpose too you know so well, uh, I, I tell you man I used to get mad so I would walk them um, I had this big triplet stroller which is uh, tandem so it was longer yeah. than it was wide okay. so I you know on a Saturday Sunday I'd walk them for like two hours just to have something to do and keep them entertained and people used to stop me and they used to be like hey man. Are, are those triplets? And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just really generous with my time. I'm just getting some of the neighborhood kids, taking them for on. I'm like, yeah, they're triplets. And then they'd always be like, uh, better you than me, man. And I'm like, that's just so insulting to me. I'm like, you have no idea. Yeah, it's hard and, you know, it's, it ain't easy. But uh, what, what, what can you point to that's worthwhile doing that's very easy? There's nothing. So you taught your kids to flip them off when they did that, right? All three through or whatever. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I had an interesting moment with them. You know, you're talking about riding a bike. We were, um, we were riding bikes in Cape Cod, uh, and I had, you know, I had the three of them and me and a friend, and we were down one bike helmet. So I gave one of the kids my helmet, and I went without a helmet. Now, we were not doing hardcore mountain biking. We were on a rail trail. And yeah, I know that. Yeah, see, I know the rail trail. Yeah. 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 And so a woman stops me, like this older woman, and um, <laughs> she's like, uh, you should have a helmet on. And I'm like, I'm sorry. She's like, and you have to walk your bike through the crosswalk. And I'm like, 
all right, you know, I'm not from around here. I'm spending my money in your town, blah, blah, blah. And then she wouldn't let it go. And so then my daughter looks at her and says, lady, go home to your cats. <laughs> and then I'm like, like, oh, my God, where did that come from? I'm like, she is definitely my daughter. If there was any question about it, definitely my daughter. So no middle fingers, but, you know, we, we like to spar with words. They might misinterpret the, the middle finger. They might think, you know, they're just, yeah, <laughs> I have not heard that one before. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the unique the unique mind of Grace Carlin, I like to say. <laughs> okay. Well, check your mailbox next week. Yeah, I will. Next time we talk, okay, you can quiz me on Arrival, and I'll quiz you on, on Captain Fantastic. Abs- absolutely. And then if, if I do get out to Santa Barbara, because I do get out to, to L.A. a few times a year, I'm going to call you. Yeah. Dude, do call me, and, 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 and um, we won't have the camera running. I'll get you a, I don't know what kind of beer I'm supposed to buy you, but, you know. Um, no, we'll no. See, we'll see what we do. Yeah, okay. anything is fun as long as it's cold. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, John. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So that's my interview with John Bettner. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Uh, John is an amazing guy. I I wish I would have had him as a teacher when when I was in middle school. I also kind of wish I lived in Santa Barbara because uh, it's actually, we're supposed to get like 16 to 24 inches of snow today here in Connecticut. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, If you have any uh, recommendations for me on people I should interview, or if you have any comments for me on today's interview, please shoot them my way. My email address is mike at uncorkingastory.com and you can follow us on Twitter at uncorkingastory.